Welcome friends, this is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Today is the 11th of April 2014 here in Japan and today I'm joined on the line by Julie Wood of SSRIStories.org and people might have caught a little bit about this website in my conversation with Dr. David Healy yesterday on the website. If you haven't, I suggest you go and download that conversation. It was a very interesting one with Dr. David Healy of Risk.org and SSRIStories.org. But today we're talking to the the person who is maintaining uh, SSRI stories, Julie Wood. Julie, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, my pleasure, James. Excellent. Well, we did talk to Dr. Healy a little bit about this website and what's, uh, what's behind it, but perhaps you can tell us, in your own words, a little bit about the history of the website and your role in maintaining it. Well, Dr. Healy mentioned that Rosie Mazenberg had started the site. He didn't tell you the story, but it's a very interesting one. Rosie became interested in this whole issue because she had been prescribed an SSRI, Prozac, to help her quit smoking. And although she herself didn't realize it at the time, her thinking started to change and her husband was fortunately very alert and rescued the situation. Rosie started to think things like that there, there was really no reason to be living and that um, she should, you know, she'd be better off dead in a very calm, rational way, as she recalled it. Um, and when one night her husband came home and she suggested to him that they needed to be together so that they should jointly both commit suicide, he basically marched her into the physician's office and demanded that something be done about the prescription. And it was only then that Rosie, I think, really realized how much her thinking had been affected by the drug. And that led her to explore whether others had had similar um, um, experiences and to start to collect the stories as you and Dr. Haley discussed yesterday. So that was the beginning and that was in the early 90s. And how about yourself? How did you come to be associated with the site? Well, my husband and I met Dr. Haley because of um, DBM Americas. At that time, the website hadn't been built, but we lost our son because of excessive use of drugs and drugs my son didn't need as I now know um, and I had learned a lot by reading about Dr. Healy so I was very keen to meet him um, he wrote some excellent books the one you and he discussed Pharmageddon but another one that I found very helpful was Psychiatric Drugs Explained he tells you a lot of practical information about those drugs there so when we met Dr. Healy he needed a little bit of help, temporary help at the time, and my husband stepped in and, and gave him some practical advice. We're both chartered accountants, and one thing led to another, and it ended up that my husband um, basically um, took over building the website, and which we were more than happy to do because obviously David and his medical team are an amazing group. And his forthrightness combined with his balanced approach, you know, is just, it's just what we need to prevent tragedies like mine and like a number of people who I now know who have experienced similar tragedies. So my 
interest in this is getting the truth out to people. People need to understand that happiness doesn't come in a bottle and these drugs come with downsides that need to be well understood by people before they venture there. Well, I am sorry to hear about your tragedy, and it's unfortunate that a lot of us do need to experience that personally before we realize the dangers of this, but hopefully we can change some of the uh, the minds of people in the audience about the dangers of, of these types of medications and whether or not they are really necessary. So let's talk a little bit about SSRI stories and its uh, its philosophy, its modus operandi. Um, how do you decide what stories to post there and uh, and what types of stories do you post? That's a really good question. And the decisions were made long before I started. I am trying to continue the work that was done by the original people. I think that the philosophy of the site is to reflect the worst the drugs can tend to. We're not about the balanced view. Um, if you want the balanced view, you go to, to risk.org and Dr. Healy because I mean, I know personally that these drugs are helpful, and I have no problem with that. But the point of the site is to illustrate when things go wrong, they go really wrong. Um, and you and Dr. Healy spoke yesterday about the issue of anecdotes versus data. Um, and it's interesting that when you start to see thousands of cases of violence and suicide and really bizarre behavior. Patterns start to jump out at you. And even though you know that may be the 2% or the 3% or whatever it is, it's still real. And as Dr. Healy would tell you if you were here, you know, it may be a tiny fraction of the people taking these things. But when the disasters start to mount into the thousands, it's still important. Well, as people might have uh, caught on my interview with Dr. Healy uh, yesterday, uh, this just one of the stories that he told me about uh, about something that had happened to a family that had experienced this tragedy was, I mean, it was quite overwhelming just to, just to hear about. So I can only imagine what it's like to read these stories on a daily basis with the, the hundreds and hundreds that you've inputted and the thousands in the archives that you've, uh, you've been looking at as well on SSRI stories. Uh, what is that experience like going through that on a daily basis? Well, it's actually interesting. You, you think of it, in, you start to, clinical is the wrong word because I'm not a clinician, but you, you get an objective perspective on it. And I have to remind myself, these are the exceptions. These are the exceptions. And what you try and do is glean from these things the lessons that they really do show. And I'm trying to go through them now and, and categorize them with some of those lessons because I think they're very interesting. Um, I think there's a lot we can learn by seeing all the disasters all in one place. Because they, they, as I say, themes seem to repeat themselves over and over. Well, tell us about some of the stories that uh, that stick out in your mind. Again, you've you've looked at thousands of them, but are there there any stories that that come to your mind when you when you think about some of the stories on the website? I think the ones that impact me the most um, are the ones where moms 
murder their children and themselves. It's murder suicides or murders of children and attempted suicides. Now, you say which one? I think Andrea Yates in Texas is one that everybody knows. Um, she was on the drug Effexor. But in fact, there's many similar cases that have been reported in the media that never got the same level of attention. And in fact, unlike um, Mrs. Yates, a lot of these things, these disasters happen suddenly and with no warning at all, so that a husband will come home and find his family has, is destructed um, and really never saw it coming. There was, there was nothing but a prescription um, for some anxiety. And who would foresee that you know, your, your wife would go off, get a prescription for anxiety medication or antidepressants and end up destroying the family. And there's many of them, many of them. I'm still going through encoding them all. So I can't tell you exactly, but there are definitely hundreds. Well, that does bring up the issue of the risk calculus that, again, we did talk with Dr. Healy about yesterday, which is um, which examines whether or not the risk of the, the small percentage, but the percentage nonetheless that are adversely affected in this way, is worth the, uh, the potential benefits to the, to the other percentage of the population that presumably are happily affected by the medicine, or at least not adversely affected. Um, let's yes. talk about that risk calculus and what this really means. If there is no warning sign um, for some of these stories, then uh, how, I mean, again, how do we place that, uh, that, that burden on the people to decide whether or not they should go on a drug like this and potentially cause m um, either murders, suicides, or in some cases, mass murder? Well, that's such a good question. It's the million-dollar question, and I unfortunately don't know the answer. I think about that one a lot because, you know, the answer that you guys discussed yesterday was, well, there must be proper warning. And it's great to warn people as long as people remain aware of whether their thinking is, is, is on the right track. But I suspect strongly that a lot of the cases that I'm reading about people just like Rosie Mazenberg are not aware of how far their thinking has strayed. And by the time it's discovered, it may be too late. And that really throws a new aspect to the risk calculus. It certainly does. Well, let's look at some specific examples. Uh, we're examining the phenomenon of mass shootings in relation to SSRI stories. And of course, this relates to um, such things as Columbine, but also much more recent events like Fort Hood. Um, let's, let's examine some of the details of some of these types of stories. For example, with the Fort Hood shooting, which I know you have some stories yes. up posted on SSRIstories.org that we'll link to in yes. the show notes for this interview. Um, as far as I understand, uh, the antidepressant that he was on specifically has not yet been identified? Is that the case? That's my understanding, and of course I looked. But one of the things that is very interesting is that you find that there are repeat um, combinations that the army, um, the military uses. And um, I actually wrote down, um, not the combination, but one of the things I thought was really relevant to this were the February 2010 hearings 
held by the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Veterans Affairs to study the relationship between medication and veteran suicide. Now, you're talking about mass shootings, but I think it's it gets to the same thing. And I was fascinated to read those 119 pages of testimony and find that the people who represent Veterans Affairs and make the decisions are quite happy with having 16 or 17 percent of tr active troops on um, combinations of psychoactive drugs, which normally include antidepressants. You, you mentioned Ambien, but it normally includes Paxil, Zoloft, Prozac, um, Solexa, and can in include also some antipsychotics like um, Risperdal. So the people in charge believe that medicating the troops this way is, is in line with good practice and their answer to all the experts who testified that these drugs can cause suicide and violence is that you need proper monitoring. And that gets back to what we've said. I'm not sure that at the Fort Hood um, instance or the, the previous Fort Hood instance, that was not the first shooting at Fort Hood. There's, there's been one before um, by a psychiatrist. Interesting. Note that because he should have understood the, the effects of the drugs and he didn't. He um, was both a victim and a prescriber. Um, I think that, that it's really interesting that nobody thinks there needs to be change. Well, that is interesting, and, and you bring up a very important point, which is, of course, that the U.S. military would have policies for prescribing certain types of, of combinations of drugs for certain situations, and of course, PTSD is something quite common among the forces, and we have been seeing an epidemic of suicides in, in the U.S. military in recent years, and I've never actually really seen that explored in the media as being uh, p potentially an effect of some of the drugs that are being prescribed for the PTSD. It's generally put down to the PTSD itself, which makes sense. But again, it's not necessarily easily decidable whether it was the prescription drugs or if it was the, the underlying issue that was to cause or some combination factor thereof. Um, how do we how do we possibly determine that? I mean, is there any way to, for us to, to sort out what was caused by, by which aspect of this? I don't know that you, one can, but I think that's such a fascinating question. I think that um, when you look at the um, cases on the extremes where, you know, somebody takes a drug, they can't metabolize it, and two weeks later, they suddenly, and out of the blue, either murder somebody or commit suicide. Those are clear in one direction, and Dr. Hilly mentioned that in the other direction, there's people who they've done something terrible and they want to make it look like it was the drug. But then there's that great gray area. And I think that one of the most misunderstood aspects of SSRIs is how they affect people. One of the interesting things I've picked up by reading many stories is that these drugs don't make you happy. They make you less anxious and unworried. That may be great if you don't have any serious problems, but 
as one person in one of the stories I quoted said, I was just making dinner and I was thinking about a little problem I had and suddenly cutting my wrist seemed like a swell idea. And that was such an interesting comment because it's as if, you, and I've heard people use the word disassociated and I don't, I'm not sure what that means, but I think it means that you're in your own life and you've taken this drug and suddenly you don't have the natural reactions that you would to the idea of jumping off that cliff or, or ending it all with this knife or shooting this person who's annoying you across the table. So when you ask the question, how do we distinguish? I'm not sure we ever can, but I think that part of the answer may lie in really exploring the impact that these drugs have on people's mental state. Well, when we talk about complications when it comes to exploring these issues, I think another complication is, of course, that medical histories are generally kept private even after the death of the people involved in these stories. So we only ever come at it from the, the outside perspective, usually based on what we find in media reports. Um, I'm not sure if SSRI Stories does any independent or other types of vetting or if there's other ways to get information about any of these the, the people involved in these stories but I've found for example in the past I found lists of of mass shooters who were on some type of antidepressant and when I tried yes. to verify some of the people and what what was their medical history what drugs were they taking how do we know this there are people on those lists that I've seen that I can't in any way verify were on any type of uh, psychotic medication so I I don't know where some of these lists come from. I don't know how we access this information. Have you encountered that type of problem when it comes to documenting some of these cases? Definitely. And it's very interesting because what we're talking about is mostly the U.S. And one of the things I've learned um, is that every state has different legislation with respect to privacy in terms of crime scene photos and toxicology reports and autopsy reports. And it ranges from everything from its public information to that it is totally sealed. And then in between, there's some states that allow um, some access to people with, quote, legitimate interests, like a researcher. We have um, some, I've made some links and my husband's made some links with researchers in other countries where coroner's reports and toxicology reports are available. And I have read a lot of those and I've talked to the people and seen the data from some of those. And that is really fascinating because one of the things I learned there, and to just to um, divert a little bit, is you go to all the SSRI deaths. So you look at um, the deaths where SSRIs have been involved. And case after case after case, you see the coroner saying, well, you know, he hanged himself, but we can't be sure that it was deliberate. You go, what? And you read so many of these things that you start to think, well, no wonder the suicide rate hasn't changed. <laughs> Nobody's counting suicides as suicides. So that's one thing I picked up from that. But your original point about the jurisdictional Issues on privacy making it very difficult to uncover some of the truth is very true. That obviously would pose significant problems for people. For example, people love, uh, loved ones of people who have been affected by this who might otherwise have some sort of case that they could bring against the drug manufacturer would be prevented from doing so if they can't get the details on precisely what the prescription was, I assume. 
almost every state allows families to have the information. And I've actually compiled a list state by state of everything they have. And now we're in, we're not at home now, but if you'd like that, I'd be happy to email it to you when we get back to Toronto because it is very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk then about the, the the website and how it can be used as a resource for people because it is overwhelming to think of the thousands and thousands of stories in the archives on all of these different reactions that various people have had to various different types of drugs. How do you envision people actually use this website um, in their sort of day-to-day research? Well, it's in transition now because the way Rosie had it, she had lists with individual links. And what I did was I read about a thousand stories and then came up with a series of codes of the themes or um, issues that I'd seen identified. And I'm in the process of going through every single story and marking off every single aspect that I think is important. And then we'll overlay that a search a search feature so that um, people will be able to say, oh, well, let's look at all the um, soldiers on Zoloft where anxiety was mentioned. So my main categories are things like terrible dreams, aggression, the kind of things that go with aggression, um, um, altered mental state, the kinds of things that go with altered mental state, issues of personality change, issues of physical symptoms that people have experienced. And then, of course, there's the cause of death, where there's a death involved. I've got all the different causes of death, which is broader than what coroners would use, because I've got a category, for example, of citizens killed by the police, because I have many, many stories of someone who really loses it after taking a drug or or more often, they've been on an SSRI and they go out to the pub. They have one or two drinks that you and I wouldn't be affected by, but they um, are affected as if they were staggeringly drunk or on much more of the drug. Um, and then there's the violence. So people who commit assaults and 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 other terrible things, you know, they they property damage. Um, murders and attempted murders, all of that. Well, then finally, for someone who is either on some type of prescription medicine themselves or or are researching into one that their loved one is taking and are concerned about some of the stories that they're reading and perhaps concerned about some of the incidents in their own life, what would you recommend that they do um, from that point um, after looking at SRIstories.org? Well, having admitted that SSRI stories is not about a balanced perspective, it's about the worst case scenario. I think that people really should be looking at if they if it's a website they want, they should go to risk because going to your doctor is is risking being dismissed. But on the risk site, people will be able to get a personalized report on their own drug reactions or interactions of drugs. So I really think that that's an excellent thing for them to get and then take it to their doctor, take it to their pharmacist and discuss with the doctor or pharmacist because with the risk report in hand, there's the, the odds of them being dismissed are much lower. 
Once again, that's risk.org, R-X-I-S-K.org. And again, we'll put the link in the show notes for this interview. So uh, Julie Wood, a very interesting website, an interesting story. Thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us today. And uh, I'm looking forward to to um, putting this into a report that hopefully people will be able to, to make sense of. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much, James. <laughs> 